G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. In the late 18th century, William Wilberforce was converted. Almost single-handedly, he broke the shackles of slavery. People there were just totally different. We are looking at the footprint of God over the last 2,000 years. Since the Roman legion destroyed Jerusalem in the year 70 AD, the Jewish people have a nation of their own. And he said, well, no, Randy, we're not all just faking it. There is a living hope, and his name is Jesus. And I believe that that's really why you're here. Christ died for us. History Makers. Hi, welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Martin Isles from the Australian Christian Lobby. How you doing, mate? Hey, Matt. I'm really well. Thanks for having me. It's great to be able to catch up with you. I've uh, really been a big fan of yours over the recent years, seeing you stand up and speak out on all sorts of hot topics. We're going to uh, get to that shortly. But let's hear a bit of your story. Where were you born and raised? Uh, I'm a Queenslander, Matt, so I have uh, very much maroon blood in my veins, and um, I uh, I grew up in Brisbane, uh, lived in the same house all my life, actually, uh, in the eastern suburbs, So, uh, and a big family, got, uh, got four siblings, three older sisters and an older brother. Okay, and did you have a religious upbringing? Yes, absolutely, so uh, always uh, very much a Christian family, so... Uh, Dad's a medical doctor, but uh, we went to a church where there wasn't sort of a paid ministry staff. Everyone had to uh, pitch in and do their part. They had to, you know, we had to run the youth group. We had to do the Bible studies. We had to, you know, it was a, it was actually a really good thing for formation as a young Christian. Uh, and one of the things Dad did was he was a, sort of a teaching pastor there as well, uh, and he ran lots and lots of uh, Bible teaching sessions. Uh, actually, quite a growing sort of ministry in that regard. Uh, and me and my sister were responsible for uh, a pretty large uh, youth group where we had a bunch of kids uh, who were, oh, they were not church background at all, sort of disadvantaged background, some with drug abusing homes and things like that. Uh, and we sort of kept the same group of 20 odd kids for about five years um, and studied through the entire New Testament with them. So uh, very Christian upbringing, you could say, so a, a family that was very involved in church ministry and ministry to others and um, and that really helped shape me uh, as a young man. That's wonderful. What kind of church was it? Um, it was actually a small brethren church. Uh, and uh, it's um, uh, about, well, when I say small, I mean, not really, probably 120 at some okay. stages. Yeah, so uh, it was roughly, I mean, the way they sort of manifest is as a non-denominational sort of a gathering. Yeah. Um, and one where there's no paid ministry staff, so everyone gets involved up to their necks in what they're doing. Uh, so that's where I grew up. And what about a conversion experience? Was there a, a moment where you can say, yep, that was when I definitely gave my life to the Lord, or were you, was it just a gradual thing for you, always believing? Well, there's probably several moments, actually. Um, I, I couldn't say which which one was necessarily conversion, and I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I'm just not sure. I mean, there was a number of occasions growing up. I always look, I was very aware from when I was very young that you know, there was something that I needed to make right between me and God. Um, I was very concerned uh, about 
uh, the fact that, you know, I would be judged one day. I was very concerned about the things that I would do wrong all the time. Um, and I had, a, I had quite an acute awareness of sin, actually, growing up as a young kid. Uh, and in light of that, I very often find myself praying to God and asking him to help me, asking for salvation. Um, and that was something that continued for some years. And there were probably certain points along the way at which, you know, I, I, had, a I had a particular experience or um, I had a particularly um, uh, 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 pr sort of profound prayer. Um, I don't know whether one of those was conversion, but certainly I know that by the time I was about... 17, uh, very much definitely a Christian. And tell us about your early career. What did you do after school? Well, actually, I started working during school. Um, I, 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 I was a bit of an entrepreneur, so I started a small business um, in the tech sector uh, And because uh, I was that generation where when I was in year one, uh, they switched on the internet at school. So my year level was kind of the first year level to go through with a truly sort of technology-based education um, and, and with access to the web and all that kind of thing. So we were way ahead of our peers. We were way ahead of our parents uh, in terms of our technological literacy. And I found myself sort of having all of this tech knowledge, particularly around data and networking and the internet and all that kind of thing. So I decided that I'd, I'd sign up to a supplier. Uh, I had some friends online from a forum I was in that I got contacts through and, you know, basically bluffed my way through to get an account with the supplier and, and set up an online store. With, I had about 800 bucks to start. Um, and then that turned into quite a flourishing business. I was essentially in the business-to-business -business market, selling sort of bulk um, quantities of networking and data storage products. Um, and, you know, I had universities on my client list and um, other major businesses and property developers. Um, and did really well at that for about four years, um, which was great fun. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I never got into that um, with a view to, uh, to staying there. I always wanted to go and, and get a degree. I wanted to pursue a professional career. Um, and so there came a point where I just had to make the hard call to leave it because I thought, and I knew I wouldn't actually be fulfilled in it. Um, and so I had gotten into biomedical science before, and, and I did six months of that, thinking I'd go do medicine like Dad, but didn't enjoy it. Um, and so I was thinking, what should I do? And it was around that time that I met a family friend who was like, you'd be a great lawyer. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Never even occurred to me to be a lawyer. Um, and uh, she got me an internship with a major law firm, loved it. Um, and then I went and applied for law, got in, and the rest is history. So I got my law degree at the University of Queensland. Um, I worked at a, a top-tier firm in Brisbane briefly uh, before, um, before I uh, went down to Canberra to study at the Lachlan Macquarie Internship, which is an in initiative, a program of the Australian Christian Lobby, um, and they offered me a job at ACL. Well, it's a great story, uh, firstly, of success as a young fella. So how old were you when you started that business? Uh, I think I was 16, Matt. 16. I could have been 17, but I think I was 16, yeah. Wow, so you're like a young Bill Gates at that age, you know, ready <laughs> yeah. to take on the world. Uh, yeah, well, I think I, was, I think I was a bit crazy, actually. I mean, <laughs> my dad was very gracious in letting me do a lot of the things that I did, but I think he was sort of watching from afar, going, I hope this doesn't come to crisis. <laughs> <laughs> you were basically offered the world. You, you could have continued in that business and probably been very successful. You could have continued as a lawyer and probably been very successful working at a top law firm. Uh, the Lachlan Macquarie internship was a big uh, turning point for your life. For those who don't, don't know what it's about, tell us all the ins and outs of it. Well, LMI, it's a program, it's a 14-week live-in internship, uh, a program that's run for Christian young people 
who have an interest in public policy, politics and public life. Um, now, I've always been heavily interested in theology. That's part of the church ministry side of my life. I really, really imbued me with that very heavily. But I've also been heavily interested in, in politics always. I've just never been able to shake it. Um, and when I saw the description of this program and uh, due to some work things that were going on, I actually had the opportunity to do it. Uh, I thought, well, well, why not? You know, why not? It might be good. I mean, I was a you know, junior in, in the work I was doing and you know, I was wondering whether it would be fulfilling long term. And I was sort of at that stage where I was just exploring um, and, uh, and yeah, I went down and did the program and it was, it was fantastic. I actually always say to people in similar circumstances, listen, just do it. If you get the opportunity, it's really worth it. It opens up a whole world, uh, of Christian activism. It opens up a whole world of Christians, uh, who are seriously influential and who are, you know, the finest Christians you will meet. Uh, and also the kind of learning you do, there's a theology, you study the history, you study the the political ideology that you study is taught by the best. The, the lecturers are magnificent people, um, and it's just worth doing. I really enjoyed it. But you're right, Matt. I mean, I didn't go to LMI, uh, Lock Macquarie internship, with an intention to go and work for ACL. That was not on my radar. And in fact, when I was offered the job at first, I, I was very indifferent to it and sort of umbered and said, no, I don't think so. I'm going to go back to Queensland first and see how the legal career turns out. So it wasn't that wasn't my reason for going, but I think actually that uh, the Lord had other plans for me. And there's a, a couple of guys that kind of took you under their wing, uh, being uh, Jim Wallace and Lyle Shelton, part of the, mm-hmm. the Christian lobby. Uh, tell us about, uh, firstly about Jim Wallace, uh, tell us about the uh, impact he's had on your life. Well, Jim, um, so Jim was the guy that uh, actually uh, approached me during the program and said, look, would you come and work for ACL? Um, we've got a chief of staff role going for Lyle. Um, and, uh, that was, that was sort of the first that this came on my radar. But since then, Jim has always been very much, uh, involved in making sure that, uh, I'm developing well. Uh, he's the chairman of ACL at the moment. Uh, he's a former SAS brigadier and he himself was somebody who stepped out of a, uh, excellent career, uh, where, you know, there was a lot of murmurs that he was going to be promoted to general. Um, and he'd been the commander of the SAS for some time, um, and he stood out of that in order to establish ACL in 2001. So a guy I look up to enormously, a man with an awful lot of wisdom and huge experience in the military world, the political world, um, and also a very godly man. Uh, and so it's great to have people like him uh, hanging around. Uh, to help you out. He's very switched on, and I remember interviewing once about his uh, time in the SAS, and I said, Jim, is it true you could kill me with a spoon? He said, Matt, I wouldn't even need a spoon. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like Jim. (laughs) He's he's got a great sense of humour, and he sort of of uses that... that, uh, that sort of fear factor that a lot of people have because <laughs> because of his skills, if I can put it that way. <laughs> so can I just jump back to when you first started at the ACL, uh, working as Chief of, Chief of Staff with Lyle, uh, it was probably a real eye-opening time for you to see uh, all the ins and outs of what happens in Canberra and the behind yeah. the scenes. Like I've got a, a relative who worked for the government for uh, you know 17 years, and at first he voted one way and then he changed his vote and he said now he he wouldn't vote for anyone because he reckons they're all all they care about is getting in all they care about is getting oh, voted yeah. in again and they yeah, yeah. they have no morals no and he saw so much stuff so much immorality behind the scenes there that he was yeah. so disillusioned and he's now yeah. out of the the sector altogether uh sure. you you must have had your eyes open and, and seen some of that too hey 
Oh, look, for sure, Matt. I mean, it's, um, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a confronting thing. Uh, it was, look, the whole process was a massive pressure cooker mm. um, to be thrown straight in as chief of staff to Lyle at the height of his sort of um, uh, uh, public face being out there um, and also to be dealing then with, with, with the, the sort of most senior politicians in the nation sort of on a regular basis, uh, to be putting on huge events, to be travelling non-stop all around the country. Uh, the whole thing was a huge change of gear. Um, and look, to be honest, um, uh, I'm just grateful to God for, for, for putting me through it and making me survive. Um, it was, it was, it's one of those things, you know, pressure, it either kills you or it makes you. Mm. Um, and it was really just a induction into the kind of pressures that people in those environments face every day. And then you have the whole spiritual element as well, um, which is that, you know, you suddenly realize that the world is a much uglier place than you perhaps even thought it was. Um, you see the corruption in high places. You see, as you mentioned, the immorality in high places. Uh, you see the way that everybody's out for self-preservation and there's no loyalty and there's no unity. Uh, you see these things really uh, in a raw way uh, because you kind of almost hope that they're not there, but they just really are. Um, it's a messy business. And then you even start to see the factions and divisions within the church. And you go, oh, goodness me, is there nowhere that's safe? Um, so, yeah, look, I'm glad, really, that I had a very well-formed Christian faith before this happened, because uh, otherwise it could get you down. You know, if you don't really know where your ultimate hope is, if you don't really know um, that God is at work in the world, um, even in the difficult times, and if you don't have a very strong conviction of that, and you're not well-formed in the basics of your biblical faith, you know, this sort of thing could kill you. Um, but it didn't uh, at all. In fact, uh, I found that I thrived uh, in, in an environment, and uh, I'm glad that I did it. I mean, it was something that you said before, Matt. <clears throat> I mean, it, it's something that was a big change of direction for me. And uh, I had thought that I'd go on and become a barrister, uh, and that was my dream, was to uh, be a barrister, perhaps a, a prosecutor, um, and to, to do great things there. But, um, you know, one of the things I had prayed all my life was that I'd go wherever the Lord put me, um, and it wouldn't matter what it was, just so long as I was meant to be there. Um, and uh, that's when, when, when you do that, he equips you for whatever it is he puts you into. The other guy who's been a big influence in you is obviously uh, Lyle Shelton. Uh, yeah. When you first started working for the Christian Lobby, how old were you? Um, I would have been 25, I think. 25? Yeah. How old yeah. are you now? Uh, 29. Man. 29, a young gun. Yeah. I, I love this. And I just love the fact that there's been generational change because here's the problem we face as Christians is that there's lots of mature godly guys who have been around the block a few times who are speaking up for righteousness in this nation, but we need the younger generation, and that's why I'm so chuffed that you've got the role. So let's just talk about Lyle for a minute. Um, what was it like working with him? He's obviously now with the Australian Conservatives, but um, how was it your time working alongside him? I'd have to say, look, uh, you're tapping into something here, Matt, which is that there have been certain people in my life uh, who have really shaped me or have impacted me quite profoundly. Uh, and God's been very good, particularly in bringing some men into my life who have been uh, magnificent examples to me uh, to model. And, and Lyle is, without a shadow of a doubt, me having worked so closely with him for a few years, uh, is without a shadow of a doubt one of those guys. I, I just remember early on uh, when I was his chief of staff, he, he called a press conference in the, parliament, the forecourt or the, the courtyard up in Parliament House 
Uh, and he just stood there and I saw all the journalists come out of the doors and stand around him with their mics and their cameras. And uh, then they'd say, go, you know, they did the countdown. He started and he'd just go for it. And he'd, and he'd start talking about same-sex marriage. He'd start talking about consequences and things like that. And I remember sitting there looking at him in one of those moments and going, you are potentially the bravest man I know. <laughs> um, you have absolutely no fear. Now, that's not true. He, he, like everybody, struggles with these things, obviously. But the fact that, you know, he will just uh, let God take control in those situations and do what he must do uh, and not be cowed into silence is, is, is a tremendous thing to watch. And I think for any young man watching an older man uh, who, is, who has that kind of courage and that kind of conviction and that kind of metal, uh, and they have it for the right reasons, not for themselves, but for the issues, but for God, but for others. Uh, I just think that's a tremendous example to observe, and I'd say that Lyle's one of those guys for sure. And I think of the quote from Billy Graham, he says, when one man stands up, the spines of others are stiffened. And exactly. uh, I think we've certainly seen that. Leadership. Yep, we've seen that with Jim. We've seen that uh, with Lyle. And uh, now you've taken the reins. And uh, I just really want to honour you, mate. Uh, you've you've done a, a stellar job taking over. And uh, I really love the fact that uh, you know you, you're regularly speaking out. Uh, you know, on things like uh, traditional marriage the pro-life message, euthanasia, uh, speaking out for the poor and the homeless in this nation. Uh, you guys uh, have so much to do, and uh, you've you got so much on your shoulders, and uh, I pray the Lord continues to strengthen your shoulders and uh, that many more doors will open for you uh, to be a voice to this nation as well. Uh, mate, our time's up, and I just wanted to say thank you for sharing your story with us. If people want to find out more about the Australian Christian Lobby, the website is acl.org.au. Or, of course, you can look them up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, they're on social media. Do a great job as well. Uh, Martin Isles, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Matt. Great pleasure. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. History Makers is a faith-based ministry, and we appreciate all of your support. The vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus all over the world. If you've got a suggestion of someone we can interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater, and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's Word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.